Hello and welcome to the Sports Loft Podcast, where we talk about the intersection of sports, media, technology, and entertainment. Today we're talking about building an excellent product, and we've got two great guests to help us do that. We'll get to them in a second, but first, if you like what you hear today, please make sure that you like us and subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Go follow us on at SportsLoftHQ on social, and go to our website, sportsloft.co, and subscribe to our newsletter to get the latest information. So today, uh, we're here to talk about building a great product, and certainly the uh, two companies that we have represented and the two people who are representing those companies have done exactly that. I'd like to welcome Nathan Peterson, the president of Tagboard. Nathan, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. And I'd love to welcome Michael Horton as well, the co-founder and CEO of Slate, as well as being the chief product officer, head of product, responsible for product, product development officer, and anything to do with product. Uh, it is Michael's first time on uh, our podcast. So, Michael, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to chat about product. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, listen, let's start out by giving everybody a, an idea of uh, who you guys are and, and, and what you do on a, on a day-to-day basis. So, Nate, I'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and what Tagboard's all about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Yanni. Um, you know, first and foremost, I am not the product guy on our in our company, so we're going to lean on Michael for all of the technical side of things. Um, but I will uh, I will definitely share stories today about how our product came to be and how we evolved um, because it's come a long way, um, even since back in the day uh, when when Michael was using us at the 49ers. Uh, we'll have to get into that a little bit later. Um, so, you know, short version today, Tagboard is a, a cloud production system uh, that you've probably seen a million times and not known it if you watch any uh, any sports television, uh, especially in the U.S. market. And you see social content brought on air, um, you know, so say like you're watching the NBA on TNT and you see those tweets coming up making fun of Chuck and Shaq and everybody's cracking up laughing. Uh, that is produced by a software called Tagboard on the back end. Um, today, we're actually much broader than that. We have a, a full cloud-based system, uh, cloud-based graphic system on the back end. So um, you could be seeing lower thirds, tickers, bugs, uh, you name it, all, all powered through Tagboard's system. Um, and then we also have an interactive product. So if you're seeing like um, QR codes on screen on, on broadcast television or in stadium and, and you can scan it and then interact uh, with a poll or trivia or what have you. Um, Tagboard's all uh, enabled to power that as well. Got it. Fantastic. Michael, tell us a little bit about uh, you and what you guys do at Slate. Yeah, so um, Slate is still a pretty new company. You know, We went live in uh, 2019, uh, but have been growing pretty quickly, especially in the sports space, you know, being used now by most of the top, you know, a lot of the biggest teams in NFL, NBA, you know, and then in Europe as well, a lot of teams in uh, the EPL and the international soccer space there as well, and sharing a lot of customers with with Tagboard. Um, Slate is first and foremost a content creation tool, so we help these teams and leagues and brands create content very quickly and easily right from their phone with really a focus on creating um, on-brand social media content. So probably like the easiest way to think about what the product really looks like and how it works is if you just sort of picture a Instagram stories or Instagram reels content creation experience on your phone, but instead of having all of the you know native assets in there, um, everything in there is 
controlled on the back end by your own design team, by your own marketing team. They're creating all of the, you know, templates and GIFs and graphics and um, uploading all the fonts and colors and everything that you then have access to create with. So it's sort of this collaboration between the design team, the marketing team, social media team in order to make creating on-brand social media content on the fly very quick, easy, and efficient. Um, for me, yeah, as you mentioned, I um, am head of product, you know, so I spend a lot of my time working on design, speaking with customers about our roadmap, um, thinking about what features were coming out next, doing research, um, designing features, and then also, you know, everything else that you do as sort of CEO, working with investors, thinking about culture, hiring, all that as well. So we're, we're growing a lot right now. So, and also kind of closing up a, a, a seed round. So, so been a very busy time for us. Well, a lot of good things to come from it. I'm, I'm sure. I, I, let me start with this from, from each of you, Michael, you, you founded the company, uh, Nathan, you've been with it pretty much since the very beginning as well. What was the aha moment? Where did you go? Oh, this is a problem that needs solving. And how did you then go about starting to work on the technology and the product to solve that issue? Um, you know, where where did you come up with the idea for Slate, Michael? Yeah, for for us, it was it was really an interesting one because, as Nathan kind of mentioned earlier, you know, I, I used to work for the 49ers, um, where we were. You know, I remember using Tagboard back when I was was working there, and, and one of my other co-founders who's been on. Um, know been on here before eric stark he also worked with me at the 49ers so we had a lot of experience and just knowledge of the market that we ended up going into with slate um but it wasn't it didn't really start just like that from that experience like that experience came into play later but it actually started more for us that's what aha moment was myself and my other two co-founders will brooke who's also been on you know as a guest on here before um and uh, Yuri Shubin, we were working on a different product that was more of a consumer facing product at the time. And, you know, it wasn't really getting the traction that you need as a consumer product to really take off. And, and we were trying to figure out a business model. So we were talking to a lot of brands and for us, it kind of, I guess there was a little bit of an aha moment when we were speaking with, um, a brand that was actually a global cosmetics brand and they essentially told us you know, we think this product is great, but we're not interested in putting our assets out there for customers. But if there was something like this product, if you could do a version of it, but it's just for our own internal use, we'd be really interested in that. And being kind of like a scrappy startup, we were like, oh, yeah, we, we can do that, of course. <laughs> so we just kind of whipped up like a white label version of um, what was at that time a more consumer product. And built it specifically for them and they used it for Paris Fashion Week and that was back in, in 2019. And then from there, it started kind of clicking that my own past experience, I started speaking to Eric about it a lot and and we we just immediately recognized those things that that brand, that that, that cosmetic company had told us like that, yeah, that would work in sports 100%. You know, we would have loved to have that tool at the 49ers. Eric was still working for the NFL at that time and. He was like, yeah, everybody I talked to, you know, need something like this. Um, and that's what really led to us making that that full transition into what Slate is today. Awesome. Uh, it, I just I just love that story of the 
um, and you hear it so much in the world of startups, right? Where there's it, it's it's there for something else, and suddenly that solution or that technology gets applied into, or that product gets applied into something else, almost because the market demands it, right? And the market drives it. Nathan, mm -hmm. did you guys find the same thing? You know, our, our path was interesting. Um, uh, our uh, founder and, and CEO, Josh Decker, um, had, you know, he had built one of the world's largest Audi fan forums. He's a big Audi guy. Uh, he had uh, stood up Quattro World. And I think that that was like kind of where the idea originated. It lended itself into what became kind of a, a social aggregation uh, play where Tagboard's origination was basically just taking in uh, APIs from the various social networks and, um, you know, and aggregating something around a subject matter. So you type in hashtag NBA finals and, and then boom, you get all this content from the NBA finals. Um, as the product evolved, uh, you know, in the early years, um, you know, they, they started to realize that there was, there was opportunity to display that and people were saying, Hey, okay, well, you've, you've got, um, uh, you've got all this content. What do we do with it? Where do we put it? And so, um, you know, they, they started to display it on jumbotrons and then local news saw it and some local news folks were like, Hey, like, could we use that tweet on air? Um, you know, but when I joined the company in, uh, late 2016, uh, along with our chief product officer, Tyler Singletary, we both joined around the same time. He was, he was slightly earlier than, than, uh, than me. Um, we walked into uh, what I kind of jokingly and, and not in a, in any way malicious or mockingly described the product as just, it was really simple, right? It was, um, it was what, what Michael probably remembers when he was using it was basically just like you pull in the social content. And you take the selfie and you put it on the board out in the jumbotron. And I remember thinking to myself, like, okay, I'm not like totally like enamored by this product. When I came to the company, I was like, but the people are absolutely amazing. And there's a lot of promise to what we're doing. Um, and, and really like at the time I had a background in social media and at the time, I was I was thinking, okay, like this could become something really big because, especially in like the the uh, the news space across news sports entertainment, because you're seeing this shift where news stories are not breaking anymore by you know folks that are jumping in you know uh, news vans and driving out and getting the story with a camera and a crew and all the stuff, right? It's like. Um, you know, if, uh, if Antonio Brown is, is doing something crazy again, it's popping out on Twitter, right? It's, uh, it's, it's showing up on Instagram before anybody can ever get to breaking that news. And so, um, you know, what we, what we walked into, um, was a company that kind of needed help at the time, to be honest, like, uh, business wise, we really needed to try to figure out where, our, where our standing was. We had taken a seed round. Um, you know, so probably similar to where um, Michael's company is right now. And we were um, we were anticipating a Series A round that didn't come through. And so we went we went through some some tough times back in 2017 because we basically had to right size the company and try to really figure out our path. Right. Um, and in 2017, we went from 60 people down to 18 people. 
we reduced expenses by 40%. None of that's easy, right? But then it was all about how do you- What did you focus on? Did you focus on product? Did you focus on strategy and building the market? How did you, how did you take that approach? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, what, what we needed to do at the time was honestly, it was figure out how to survive. And um, there was a lot of bias in the company because you've got people that have been there for six years. And so um, I'm grateful for like kind of that, that timing, but you know, the luck and timing that Tyler and I walked in at the time we did because we were the most unbiased parties out of everybody. So we were able to kind of just take a look at the data and start to say, okay, where is, where's our best chance at achieving market fit as fast as we can, because then we can start building in that direction. And so we started to look at the data and we really found that, you know, what Tagboard was doing at the time was uh, event and campaign based mostly as a business. And it was largely anything from, it was, it was broad, like anything from, uh, anything from the local church to the San Francisco 49ers, right? Anything from uh, the nonprofit all the way to uh, a news station. And our, our best market fit at the time, which was very early on, was definitely in that real time, you know, people who needed access to real time content. So um, what we did was we, we made a pretty hard pivot into the business model, turning it into annual subscription SaaS business, and really went very hard at the new sports and entertainment space to see if we could make some traction there. Um, to be honest, that, that really was a pivotal moment in the company. Uh, 2018, we really turned the company into a full-fledged SaaS company. Our, our revenue flipped into being all recurring and predictable. Um, we got rid of kind of the, the, the campaign and event business and what we, you know, what we did from there, um, was we really started to take a look at the product. We, we traveled down to, to NAB and said, okay, if we're, um, uh, NAB is the, the major broadcasting, uh, association and, and conference in, uh, in the United States. So we go down there and we say, all right. Um, you know, if we can put social content on air, what else should we be able to help these guys put on air? Cause we had clients saying, Hey, you're basically using us or we're basically using you for a graphic system, right? So can you guys build out a more full fledged graphic system? And we are like, well, let's go take a look. So we looked around, realized everything was pretty over-engineered and we decided that we, we could, you know, build it in a more tech friendly way, a, a, a more um, modern way. And, and so that was our next kind of big step on the product side of things. So it sounds like uh, both of you to, to a certain degree or both companies have been led by customer feedback, right? And, and uh, either in terms of generating the demand or in terms of articulating the product. But what I've also heard, which is really interesting, is people, you know, the, the, the people and how good the people are. Nathan, you were impressed by the people when you got into Tagboard. Uh, Michael, you're talking about building the culture and hiring. How do you how do you manage that challenge between? So we're I, I, I'm building an electric boat right now for, for for reasons that we don't need to get into. But I know that if I give my engineers free reign, the thing will never get built. It just won't because they're going to be tinkering and playing and, and teasing and, oh, there's this and we need to test that. So how do you manage that dynamic between the good people who are going to build something great and who are in there 
uh, for you in the trenches developing the product and making sure that you get something into your clients' hands? Like, how do you guys do that at Slate? What's the what's the pathway? Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's a really good question because I do think, um, you know, a big part of, you know, personally, I think a, a big part of making sure that you are going to be staying ahead of the times and ahead of the competition and, and continuing to innovate on the product is making sure that you sort of cultivate that that culture and environment where people like engineers or even like, at, you know, at our company, we, we really bring everybody into the process, the customer success team, the sales team, they're talking to our customers all the time. Um, you know, so we want to have an environment where everybody feels like they can speak up and they have ideas about products even if it's not their job you know we have monthly all team calls where the whole company's on them and we're talking specifically about product and it, you know it may not be something we can do when we move from like a 20 person company to you know a 100 or 200 person company but right now we can we can do that and, and it's great to have a, a team that you know a small team that so intimately knows our customers and our product they can really contribute so you you definitely want to cultivate an environment in my opinion where you can generate those ideas from from everybody on the team um but i think you ultimately do have to still have a clear vision just like you do for the company for the product that everybody is is ultimately really moving toward and that and that vision is going to continue to evolve and change and be led by customer feedback and the market and and for us social media trends and, and like you know all sorts of different things will change that vision but you do want to have a goal that you know the goal is to get the product to this point you know what is that how do we get there and make sure we're continuing to move towards that and and those ideas you hear them and you take them all in and you you add the the ones that are you test them out with customers you talk to people about it but um and, and some of them that become very viable ideas for the product or features for the product you'll add into your roadmap but you know ultimately you're still trying to get to the product to that that one point you know and, and we have that um, at Slate, and, and I think everybody is just kind of aware of that and, and trying to work towards that at the same time. Mm. And, and Nathan, do you guys have like a a, a a crack team of developers that you'll just be like, go 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 figure stuff out? Like it doesn't matter what you do, just go figure stuff out. And we'll find a way to sell it, or is that just not not in the roadmap? No, I mean, well, <clears throat> I, I wanna I wanna actually jump in on on top of what Michael was saying with uh, you know in, in regards to that internal culture being so important. Um, because I'll, I'll take a couple steps back and just say, like, I've been a part of, uh, I've been a part of it being done wrong in other startups before I used to lead marketing for a, a mobile application startup that is pretty large in, in the U S I'll keep the names out of it just to not, you know, um, <laughs> but, uh, we, you know, we, at the time were doing it wrong, right. Um, marketing and sales didn't get along success didn't get along with everybody and product was like in its own silo and honestly even just sat in its own room in our office and like we just didn't have a relationship and it was really hard to get things accomplished and so a lot of what i do um at tagboard today is you know and as a leader is trying to, you know, undo a lot of the stuff that I, that I experienced in the past and things that I, I did wrong personally. And so I, I looked at, uh, I, I looked at Tagboard when I got in, I was like, okay, like, who do we, how do we, how do we figure out, you know, who are some of the, um, best, smartest, brightest people 
on uh, on the revenue generation side of the business and how do we connect them and help them build relationships with the product side of the business because it's going to be absolutely invaluable and uh, you know our our pivot i would uh, i would largely attribute to uh, a relationship between uh, Christine Chalk, who's uh, SVP of, of services, uh, reporting into me on the executive team. She is um, she's a three-time Emmy award-winning producer uh, who we we got out of the newsroom and started as a client success manager at Tagboard, and she has just you know made her way up the ranks because she's um, you know she's just an incredible mind. She's an incredible spirit. And she developed an incredible relationship with our entire development team, everybody across the development team, um, who I think would lay down on the road for her. And I think, you know, how they ultimately started to look at developing the product was really a partnership, right? It was a, it was a combo of um, Christine being this former newsroom producer who could connect the dots with our, with our key clients. Um, you know, she could, she's, she's got the, the cell phone numbers of NFL network and Fox sports and, uh, and, and, uh, Turner sports and all these guys that we work with on a regular basis, um, where we can call them up and say, Hey, like, let's talk product. And she can translate that and bring in the product side to, to make this stuff happen. Right. And it's so long-winded way of saying like, you know, the, the, the culture internally, just to, to hammer home Michael's point, is like it, it's so important. And I think the longer you can sustain that um, in building those relationships and making sure that people are, you know, even gold off of each other, I think is a, is a good thing. Like when you set objectives and key results in your business, like you want to make sure there's ties um, to all sides of the business. So so no one's working in a silo by themselves. They're They're trying to figure out how to help each other. We're trying to figure out how to help the clients. Speaking of clients, um, help help me to, to understand because I think this is this concept of client success and somebody who leads client success. And I appreciate that this isn't fully on product, but it kind of goes into how product is developed potentially. Um, it, it's it's a very North American concept. It's something that we haven't really seen. It's starting to seep into some startups here, but help our listeners on this side of the pond understand kind of how you view client success, what it is that they do, and 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 more specifically, how does it go beyond account management, which which everybody gets, right? But how how is it something above and beyond that level? How do you guys approach that at uh, at Slate? Yeah, um, you know, I think customer success is is uh, is hugely important to to us. It was one of the very first things that we, as a founding team, talked about building up in a very intentional way. Um, we set out very early on, you, you, you kind of have these ideas of like, what type of company are you looking to build? Not just from the product perspective, but on the way that we treat customers. And, um, and one of the, the things that we talk about and is one of our values that we talk about internally is, you know, going above and beyond for our customers, you know, being more of a partner to our customer than, a, than just looked at as a vendor you know, so where they may expect you're buying a piece of software and like, okay, you provide the software and that's it. You know, we want to, we want them to look at us more than that. And like our customers will email us and ask us like our feedback on their most recent campaign on Instagram stories. And like, Hey, like we're thinking of trying to do an innovative campaign, um, you know, on Twitter, like, have you guys seen anything cool that you think uh, would work well for us? And, 
um, you know, that may not be things that you think of a relationship between a software vendor and a, and a customer, but we purposely want them to have that relationship because, you know, it's not just a great way to, um, you know, build those, those customer relationships. It's obviously the, a smart business move. You know, if, if they value working with you, they're going to retain you as a vendor, even in times when things may not go great. Like if we do go down, we have those personal relationships um, like if we have a little bit of downtime or something like that is, is kind of what I mean there, then, you know, they may give us a little more slack, you know, if um, they're re- kind of comparing us head to head with another potential competitor, you know, as long as they see us as more than just a software vendor, we're adding value in other ways, you know, they're going to, you know, lean towards us as well. And then on the product side, it, it also is it's huge having those relationships, those close relationships with your customer where I can hop on a call with you know, one of our customers and I already know that they're excited about an upcoming feature they've mentioned to us in past conversations, you know, integrations they're looking forward to. And I can hop on a call and just talk to them about their workflows and, and um, learn from them to help build the product that is going to maintain you know, a product market fit and, and continue to, to keep us ahead of, of the competition and the, the market, um, you know, having those relationships is, is super important there. So there's, so that's, that's kind of in my mind, what customer success is about is making sure you have those relationships. Ultimately it comes down to, you want your customers to always be happy. There's, there's very like clear KPIs to it as well. Obviously you want to retain all your customers, especially like we do annual subscriptions as well. Like, Ethan mentioned, you know, you don't want people to churn, so they're responsible for that. You want them to continue to expand their contracts and get deeper relationships with them. And so they have, you know, very direct business related um, metrics as well. But for us, we definitely look at it more as the, the relationship side of it is, is the most important piece. And, and on that, on the kind of growth and, you know, adding adding bits of service to their account and stuff like that, I think it was um, Henry Ford who said there's a, there's a big difference between somebody saying they'll want to pay for something and actually paying for it when it's available, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, it's the, it's the horse and the, the, the faster horse and the car comparison. Um, Nathan, how, how do you guys kind of look at that and then implement changes or developments or product growth, product features um, with any kind of certainty that they will be picked up. And I guess, you know, you could tell me that some might just be here, we're we're doing this for free because we love you and you're our customers. And some of it might be, you know, you got it. You got to pay for this. Uh, You asked for it. Now you got to pay for it. (laughs) No, 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 there's no, I think uh, one of my oldest mentors, uh, a friend and mentor, his name's Benji. Uh, he he told me once uh, early on. He said, "Business isn't a business until somebody pays for something." True story. <laughs> so um, we're not we're not we're not big we're not big on the freebies. Um, you know, we we like to build things of value and, and really build up that relationship. And you know the. Uh, I think, you know, the, even, even stemming from client success, right. It's like, you're, you're coming from a place of empathy and understanding uh, of your clients. And when I told you the story about Christine, um, 
you know, she was such a successful, you know, human being in our, in our organization that it was like, okay, we joke around. We're like, how do we clone you? You know, like, how do we replicate you? And so our next hire um, on her team was Sky Muller, who is also, a, a, you know, a, a producer and newsroom guy and, and former on-air talent. Um, and, you know, and has kind of a lot of the same skill sets, understanding, workflow understanding of our clients that Christine did. Um, and when he came in, you know, we started to realize, okay, this model works really well, um, you know, and it is replicable. And so like we, we now have uh, Alexander Pope, we have Kristen Rogers, we have Michelle Lutka. These are, they're all former newsroom producers with, I think we've, you know, if we stacked all their Emmys in a room, we could fill an entire office um, and they're, all, you know, they're, they're all amazing personalities. They're, you know, incredible human beings that are great relationship builders, but they understand the workflow of our client. Now, how that translates into product is that they're able to, you know, sit down with that client, get feedback and bring, bring it back to the table. And when you think about, you know, you want, you want to talk like full cycle about how we built a, built a product, implemented it and, and saw, saw the success from it. We built graphics, as I alluded to before, we built graphics because we were being asked by some of our largest partners. And so in, in, uh, um, in like probably, I'd say early 2018, we were concepting, started to build. And in 2019, we got it in the hands of NFL Network, Fox Sports and Turner Sports. And they started to help us really shape the product and give us direct feedback on what they would use to, to essentially replace some pieces of their workflow. Um, as we got that feedback, um, <clears throat> we iterated on the product and lo and behold, in 2020, in the middle of a pandemic, um, you know, the, the pandemic hits, we get a call from NFL and NFL says, hey, that product that we've had in beta with you guys um, we, we need to put it into use right away because we can't actually reach our studios. Mm. Like we're, we have NFL draft coming up. We've got all this programming coming up and we're not, we can't reach our studios in California because of the loss. And so, um, you know, I always, I, I always say like luck and timing is always a, a part of business too, right? I mean, you can have the most brilliant ideas in, in the world and you can have great execution, but luck and timing is also important for product market fit. And so, the pandemic it actually like accelerated the need for our cloud graphics system and it really bolstered our, our company in a really terrible year for most people in the world. Um, we were very, very humbled and blessed that Tagboard did well. Fast forward, um, you know, long story short, you fast forward to um, this year, we were nominated for a digital innovation of the year uh, Emmy award with the NFL, which was pretty crazy. Um, got a call from my client at the NFL and said, they said, Hey, we're, we're being nominated for, for a digital Emmy and we're putting, we're putting your name on it right next to us. And, um, they're like, where are you willing to talk on the video and give us a testimonial? I'm like, I'm in, I'm in Cabo San Lucas at the time. I'm like, do you guys care if there's a, a beach in the background? <laughs> Might have an extra, extra margarita to celebrate this one. <laughs> I hope you did. I hope you did. That's, that's I, I you sure did. did. That's, that's, that's fantastic. So, so then, uh, walk me through the, the the process of developing a product. So, how 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 do you guys do it? Um, 
we had a conversation with uh, uh, a couple of other uh, sports loft member companies a few uh, a few weeks ago, and sort of uh, evoked the lean startup and that model of you know weekly check ins, make sure that split uh, split testing and stuff like that to see how different developments are being taken up in order to then uh, be able to decide which one is the best. How do you guys approach it from a okay? We want to implement this to actually getting it into the hands of clients uh, and and having it tested out. Mike, I'll start with you. What's what's the what's the process? Yeah, um, I'll say overall we we also operate still under sort of the lean product methodology there. Like we definitely try to get a, a first version of a feature out. Um, with that, you know, MVP minimum viable product, like minimum viable feature version of it into the hands of our customers as quickly as possible so that we can start to learn from them and, and, and iterate on it from there. But before you even get to that stage, you know, it definitely comes from, um, you know, the, the idea of we want to build this, just like we were talking about earlier, comes from the conversations we have with our customers, what we're hearing from our customer success team, our, our sales team, and then weighing that with, you know, what we're seeing happening in the market and, and, you know, the, the right business decisions, um, you know, and then it, it's a, I mean, it's a fairly standard like product process for us. I guess we build an initial version because we do have those relationships with our customers. Um, we take before we ever even build anything, we often will take designs um, or some form of a proto prototype and present it to our customers, especially the ones that we know are excited about a particular feature because we want their input. We want to know, you know, how you would use this, kind of learn from those discussions. And, and we also want our customers to feel a part of the process. Like they have a voice in building this product because um, they really do and their, their, their input is valuable and, so we take that, we learn from it, and then yeah, get that first version out there into the hands of our customers as soon as possible and just iterate on it from there. Hmm. And Nathan, how have you guys built that engineering team? How do you, uh, do you, does everybody work on one project at the same time? Do you split them out based on projects? Do they have different capabilities? You have different products as well. So how, how do you use that skill? And then... I just want to wrap in something, you know, you mentioned that COVID has been um, uh, uh, quite a blessing. Has it also changed the, the way in which you guys work on that front? Has it even changed the geographical regions within which you hire, given that um, now the world has moved more towards a remote working uh, solutions? Um, how has all that come together? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start with the, the last question. Um, we, we were... 50% remote company when the pandemic started. And, um, you know, we, <laughs> we felt like line of sight to the end of the pandemic was not, not there, um, you know, and, and back in like the spring of 2020 and our lease was coming up and we were like, man, we, we got to just get out of it. Cause like, I mean, there's no point in paying, you know, multiple thousands of dollars for a building when you don't know if you'll ever see it again. And so we, uh, we got out of the lease and we went full remote, um, you know, and, and luckily, I mean, for us, we were, we were ready for it. Um, you know, being half remote already, we had a lot of systems in place, uh, to be able to, to, you know, uh, make sure we 
not just communicate, but also um, set our objectives and key results, uh, you know, and measure against them and keep each other accountable. And so it, it, it really kind of, you know, came in naturally. And to your, to your point, Yanni, I mean, that, that enables a, a world of difference in what you're able to do. Because I'll tell you, man, like uh, we're, uh, you know, Redmond startup, Seattle, greater Seattle area based company. You do not want to be competing for talent in this market alone. It is expensive. Um, it is really, really <laughs> hard to, you know, you're not, you're not beating Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook uh, has a campus up here. Google has a campus up here, Twitter. At, like, I mean, you're, you're up against basically everybody that, uh, you know, has a presence in San Francisco also has a presence in Seattle and major uh, companies that were founded out of the greater Seattle area. So, um, you know, it's a hard place to find talent. And so it's been a blessing for us to be able to kind of expand that geo and, and be able to find great people that live all across the U.S. And, um, you know, we're, we're planning some international expansion as well. Um, so, you know, going, going back to a little bit more of like the dev process, I mean, um, this is definitely, I, I wish we could have our, our chief product officer on here to kind of describe a little bit more of it. Like I said, the, the technical side, I'm going to lean more on Michael for, but what I will, what I will attest to is that it's a, it's an evolving process, right? I would describe us, uh, in the early days as being very similar to what you always hear about, you know, garage built startups, right? It's like, you've got a scrappy group of individuals that, um, really just, you know, build and iterate and build and iterate and, and get stuff out and see how it's working. And um, we had been very lucky for a long time to have brilliant developers uh, on our staff that, um, you know, really understood how to build what we needed in the early days and then also understood how to iterate on the product as we went, uh, as we started to really pivot into that production space. They like I alluded to before, the the, um, the relationship that, that they built across our CSM team, um, you know, they listen, right? And and they and you know, there there's some really funny like you know tagboard book stories, uh, you know, some that we'll write someday about like when we launched our producer product, which was uh, the very first thing that that brought us into uh, that brought us beyond just the social media side of things and put us in, into the production world. Um, we launched it with, uh, Turner sports in the middle, like right before March madness. So we put that product in market with, in the hands of Turner sports, I think two weeks before March madness. And they put, they, they tested it and they, they ended up, um, they ended up using the product live on air during March madness. And like, we hadn't even put this product in beta. Awesome. Well, thanks for that, Nate. Uh, that just about takes us up to our time limit. So we'll start to wrap up here on the Sports Loft podcast. But before we go, I was hoping that each of you could share an anecdote from the trenches of product development, a story that's personal or funny or tear jerking or insightful as to how product development has gone well or poorly in any of the roles that you've been in. Uh, and uh, and then and then we can sign off. So I hope that our listeners will uh, enjoy what you guys are about to share. So, Nate, I'll start with you. Give us, uh, give us some stories from the product trenches. Oh man, um, there, there's plenty of stories. Uh, enough for us to to sit down and crack some beers as soon as I can make it over to that side of the pond. But 
Um, let's, uh, I'm going to go with uh, one that I, I find kind of humorous. I'm going to keep this uh, broad as to not identify anything specific, but we, um, one of the major products that we developed at, at Tagboard that kind of took us into the next realm of cloud production uh, came by way of us generally just being pissed off that uh, we found somebody claiming credit for some of the things that we were doing publicly. And um, they were, you know, putting out broad strokes, press releases and and images and stuff, claiming that these things that were on screen were uh, in fact their company and, and it was actually ours. And so it, 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 um, it clued us into the fact that we could actually broaden our offering uh, to match what they were doing um, because we were a piece of it and they were a piece of it. And we were like, okay, well, I, I think we could actually build this out and potentially build it better. And it, it was what led us into, um, you know, really looking hard into a major piece of our product um, was a little bit out of, out of, uh, um, out of that spite for, you know, I guess I do say imitation is the, the best form of flattery and it could probably go either way in, in, in this instance. But, um, you know, it, it came to us from a client who was saying, well, if they're, if they're claiming credit for stuff that we're putting out there through your system, why don't you just build that? And we were like, yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. And so, you know, you know, you got something valuable when someone's trying to steal it, right? <laughs> Exactly. And, and sometimes, you know, you just uh, those competitive juices get going and you're like, OK, well, we're going to we're going to build this and we're going to do it better and we're going to start taking your lunch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. Excellent. So we're, end, we're, we're ending the story on Tagboard taking taking lunch. I love it. <laughs> uh, Michael, what uh, what you got for us? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we talked a lot today about um you know, product market fit in general. So, I mean, the first kind of story that comes to mind to me, you know, is back again to some of the the early days of, of Slate, just kind of talking about like, you know, when it became pretty obvious to us for the first time that, that we really were onto something and really had, um, you know, product market fit, you know, for us, what comes to mind for me is that first NFL season where we were going out and, um, you know, we went live in July of 2019 and, and we started just emailing and calling every contact in the NFL that we could that we could um, get a, a contact information for. And we were doing the same thing with the NBA and um, some of the other leagues as well. But really, we're focused on the NFL. And then um, after training camp started, when we moved into to August and September and, and the preseason game started going, um, you know, that's when the word of mouth really picked up, you know, back in the days when the social media managers used to be down on the field and interacting with each other, you know, that's been a little slower these days with the limited access, but um, we started seeing a lot of uh, responses to emails that we had sent maybe one or two months ago that they had been ignored or people reaching out to us saying like, Hey, I just heard of this product. And, you know, we would kind of be like, well, yeah, we emailed you about it two months ago, but it wasn't until they heard about it from, you know, the person who they were just playing against in the preseason or, you know, you know, at a, uh, event 
during the the preseason where they had a, a few teams together and they all were talking about it and someone had mentioned slate to them um we started getting a ton of either responses to emails that had gone cold or just inbound from different teams and when we started seeing that word of mouth picking up i mean people talk about that with product market fit all the time is, is when you hear that word of mouth happening is one of the early signs that you're you're really on to a true product market fit and that definitely was something that we saw and one one of the earliest indications for me that you know this really was going to to work well at least in the in the sports uh vertical so that was a, a fun time in the, in the early days of, of slate and that's and, and that's something that we talked about before when you're uh, when your customers are your also your best salespeople, it just becomes a, a virtuous circle that's right. great well listen there's been a yep. great chat today uh i want to take a moment to thank you both in a second but uh first to our listeners if you enjoyed what you heard today please do subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts Remember to go to our website, sportsoft.co, and sign up for our newsletter where you can get a ton of great information, including links to upcoming podcasts. And follow us on at SportsLoftHQ on social. All that remains for me to say is a big thank you to Nate. Nate, thanks for joining us again. Hey, thank you, Yanni. Much appreciated. It's always a pleasure to be on. And uh, Michael, thank you also for joining us for the first time. Great to have you on. Yeah, thank you. It was a lot of fun. All right, everybody, thanks for listening and tune in to the next one. Thanks and goodbye.